Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. back everybody to episode seven of the strictly nfl podcast as always i'm con here with jeff and man what a long week for new york sports even though the even though the jets won um there is some bad news in jets land and some good news in jets land that we'll that we'll get into later but i felt the games this week were pretty decent and uh got a lot of stuff to cover today so jeff you know how you doing what you think this week um, what did I think of this week? I thought, I thought the Giants were really bad, and that sucks for Giants fans. Uh, we appreciate. I can't, I can't believe that we're five weeks in to a season where that's saw Aaron Rodgers get hurt, and the Giants are just so much further behind the Jets. Like that's that's kind of shocking to me. Not even just in like how they're playing this season. We'll get to how they're playing this season. I, I'm just going to throw a question back to you. So yeah. do you, if you had to guess, who do you think have the three worst point differentials in the NFL this year? Uh, Giants, Panthers, uh, Broncos. You got two of three. The Panthers are not in the bottom three. The Patriots are in the bottom three. Oh, so they got my, Denver, my Denver Broncos are third to last with – a minus 60 point differential through five games. The Patriots are second to last with a minus 76 point differential. And the Giants are last in the NFL in point differential with a minus 91 point differential, which means that the Giants have lost their games by more than four touchdowns, more than the third worst team in the NFL. This is like, I, and I get, I, I'm, I mean, I get it skewed a little bit because they have a couple of really bad losses, but like, dude, what the fuck? Like, they haven't. They don't score offensive touchdowns ever. Even no, against, it's not allowed. Yeah, they. I mean, this is just. I mean, I think you were trying to lead us off with the Jets, but I just. I feel like we have to start the Giants because I just don't know what they're doing this season or where, like. Do we talk about this past week? What there's not really much to talk about against the Dolphins. They got boat raced by a way better team. Like, what do the Giants do? I just feel like there's so many things they have to address. Like, where do we even start? What, what, what do you What do you think? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying that Deontay Banks is a confirmed good player, in my opinion. I, I think everybody needs a little bit of of uh, you know a serotonin boost, and you know it's okay, guys. The first round corner we drafted, he's not gonna solve every problem, but he's a good player, and I think. It's important to take the small wins in life. That's a, that's a big time small win for us. Um, other than that, the only guy who I think you really take away from these last two weeks, really, as you know, anything positive is Wandale. Wandale looks pretty good. And what about uh, Thibodeau? Tibbs is a. I would say it's an improvement, right? Like I was on here. Everybody knows I was on here when he got off to that slow start over the first two weeks, and I was like relax. He showed you for about three quarters of last season that he's a really good player. And the pass rush, uh, sorry, the pass rush, I always struggle with that. 
has gotten way better and the run defense hasn't caught up, but I firmly believe it will. You know, it caught up last year. Also, it's not hard to single out one player right now and just be like, this guy's playing horrible in this phase of the game because a lot of guys are playing horrible in a lot of phases of the game. So I don't, I don't want to put too much, you know, slack on him. But looking forward to next week, it's it's not going to be fun. You know, I'll just tell the viewers before we started uh, recording, Jeff and I were talking about how if you're in a survivor pool and you have the Bills, you probably want to take the Bills this week because they got the Giants. Yeah, that, that game's it's not going to be a lot of fun for Giants fans. I just – I do think that the defense is – bright spot's the wrong word, but – you just go through their defensive depth chart and like it does feel like a lot of their defenders are not playing terribly and like you know a guy like Bobby O'Karaki I mean he made a lot he's he he's made a lot of plays the last few weeks he's also you know there have been a couple of plays where you, he stands out as like dude what is he doing but like I would argue he's been a positive um you know Tibbs getting pressure on the quarterback I feel like it's tough to imagine that either Dexter uh, Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams are playing bad. They're just kind of like, um, what's the word? They're kind of just like muckers in the middle there. Like they just kind of take up a lot of space and garner a lot of attention. Yeah. So like I can't imagine they're just being useless. Um, and everybody heard the post-game quote last week from Xavier McKinney where he was like, it was McKinney, right? Who was like, uh, "We're not blaming the defense this yeah, week." Yeah, it was him. And he's kind of right. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess, like, you know, I brought up the question of where do you start. <laughs> I, I, I think that's where you start. Um, the offense is the problem right now, and it's not just that they're not scoring; they're not doing anything. Like, the defense is putting in solid performances, and they're starting behind the eight ball on most drives. Um, so I guess I'll throw it back to you. Do you think the Giants should be looking to move some of these defensive players who probably have some value around the league? Or do you think that, okay, we have something with this defense here. We just need to start building the offense now. Like w- w- which direction would you go? Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I wish I could see this through for this season and, and just see where things end up. Not because I think at this point we're going to make the playoffs or anything, but because you know, you just never want to take such a drastic step back from the year before. But at this point, you know, you're going to be one in five. And I think there is going to be a legitimate market for a lot of these guys. Like, I think Leo Williams has been, to me, a massive disappointment. I think his um, his regression from last season is one of the biggest talking points that doesn't get addressed, right? Like, the most underrated talking point, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And you know, a guy like Adori, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize. Uh, Adori, I've talked with Schwinn about how I feel like Adori is a perfect fit for the Bills. You know, Tredavious White goes down. They lost Daquan Jones. I feel like, you know, if you package him, maybe maybe you send a Nation Robinson with him too. You know, that could garner you maybe like a third round pick. And these are guys who are pending free agents after this season. You know, there's no reason to not be exploring, right? And not only is it going to kind of, get you the asset back. But if you're signing Lyle Collins, right, 
trade these guys, it's going to open up, even if it's just a little bit, it's going to open up some space for you to work with. And then you're not going to have to push so much money back on the contracts you have right now, you know, to kind of fudge up that cap number. You know, it's going to be a lot cleaner if you can get these guys off your books for the season. More, more on Lionel Collins later. But, yeah, that's that's what I would be doing. You know, it's it sucks to sell in an NFL season because, you know, it's the most physical sport in the world and yada, yada. But at some point, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, they got to look these guys in the eye and be like, all right, Evan Neal, you sucked. Um, Nate McKeithen, you were pretty bad. And, you know, go down the line and call these guys out and say, because of you guys, we are not buying. And not only are we not buying, we're flat out selling. You know, it, it is what it is. That's the reality of the situation for us. Yeah, it, it just sucks because I think I think it's the uniqueness of the NFL season, like in the fact that there's only 17 games. And so as a fan, it's just like in a basketball season, when you get to the trade deadline – if your team's a seller, you're not like, oh man, we haven't even like really seen these guys play. It's like, no, we fucking seen them for 50 games. We get it. Like yeah. <laughs> this team, does, but like we've only seen these Giants play five games. We've only seen Saquon Barkley play a couple games. It feels disappointing to already be like, okay, it's time to sell. You know, like it, especially coming off a season where you want a playoff game and you made the second round. Like this was honestly, it's, it's made me terrified for the next season, I'll say that, because Oh no. The the circumstances are so similar. Like young team makes like a ahead of schedule, makes the second round. It feels like how do the Knicks regress enough to the point where this season feels like a disappointment? But I would have said the same thing about the Giants before this season started. And now it's like this is almost a nightmare. Well the one uh the one analysis point that I can give for, for this week to kind of give hope to the fan base. The uh, the Bills lost Matt Milano to a pretty serious leg injury, and if there's any way that we're going to beat the Bills, it's going to be because Darren Waller just torches them this week. So, you know, Terrell Bernard has come in and played a pretty good role for them this season. You know, he's, he's caused a couple turnovers. He's been solid, but he's no Matt Milano. Matt Milano is one of the best pass coverage linebackers in football. So, you know, maybe the Giants get the two and four by the odd choice, uh, the odd chance. And then uh, we can come on here and we can have Schwinn as a guest and we can troll him. <laughs> is, is this the week that Kafka, like, fully goes to uh, Hodgins, Hyatt, and Wandy? Like, how much more of Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton does this team need to set, need to see? And, like, it feels weird saying that about Slayton. Because he's only 26 years old, so it's not like he's over the hill. But for whatever reason, he he's not a good fit, in my opinion, with what they're trying to do. Um, and you have a guy like Hyatt who just has so much talent just sitting there waiting. Who He profiles similarly to Slayton. Yeah. But at least there's that upside that I, I think we know Slayton doesn't have. It's got to be getting close to time to just take the take the handcuffs off. What I think training wheels is uh, handcuffs is a weird thing. So. <laughs> um, it's a little kinky from you, Jeff. <laughs> but um, I think the the biggest thing with Slayton, right, is that he might be the guy who's most affected by this line besides Daniel Jones. You know, just because he's such a speed threat, and not only does he win on deep routes, 
he wins mostly on intermediate routes, and we can't even get those concepts off right now. So that's why you see, you know, Wandale's in and he's playing, I believe, like 60% of snaps somewhere around there, and he's getting five, six, seven targets. No, yeah, nobody else can get a ball past eight yards on the field. I just, I just have to say it. I, look, the offensive line is bad. There's no two ways around it. But Jones is a bad processor. He's yeah. making the offensive line look worse than it is. And I don't think enough Giants fans really understand that. I, I think there are actually Giants fans out there who, like, tell themselves, like, can you imagine if Tom Brady stood behind this line? He'd be dead. Like, he can't even move. And it's like, no, Tom Brady would make – like, if, if we replayed this season and we know what we – we know what we know now, and then we put Tom Brady behind this offensive line. Every single Giants fan would say, "Holy shit! How did this offensive line get so much better?" And it wouldn't—they would be the same guys. They would just be more prepared because Brady's smarter pre-snap, and they would Brady would just be getting the ball out quicker. He would be going through. I have never seen a quarterback take as long as Jones does to process reads. He he stares read down. It takes him like. I don't know, tw- like twice a Brady beat to, to go from read to read. And it's like, dude, you got to you gotta do this quicker. Um, ah. The only guy I would say, and this is apparent if you watched last night, for, for both of these quarterbacks, actually, Jimmy G is like, dude, that guy is anxious in the pocket. It's so funny. His, his feet are dancing he's, all the time. He's got the, the Peyton Manning happy feet. Yeah. But at least he's – at least he's bouncing from read to read. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not some big Jimmy Garoppolo stand or whatever, <laughs> but, like, I think he's I think he's faster than Jones. I don't know. I, I And maybe maybe just always looking for Devontae Adams, you know, it helps. But, like, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing. Like, are they only running these short and intermediate routes because – they just don't trust Jones to get to to get to the reads at the second level to to buy the time to make the 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 little uh, the little steps in the pocket that create a little bit more time. Like his his first instinct is always to just bolt out of the pocket. Like he he is. Yeah. I, I just think all the different things that he does are hurting the the offense and making the offensive line actually look worse than they are. And again. I don't want people to come after me. I'm not saying this offensive line is good. Like I see all the clips. I I I, I know what's happening too. Um, but I do think that this offensive line is capable of looking better, and I think it's on the quarterback to help them do that. Yeah, the standout to me is they not only can't push the ball right, but like there's multiple plays, specifically on uh, one third down on Sunday that stood out. Daniel Jones is not about to get hit, but, you know, it's not like there's nobody around. Like, there's guys getting beat. He's accounting for the pressure. He's moving around in the pocket, doing whatever. Third and, I believe, like five or six, he throws the ball to Wandale on the opposite hip of where it should be. Not only is it on the opposite hip, it's down. So it's not only is it not a completion that gets you some yards after the catch, it's not even a completion. It's like... That stuff is, you know, we can't help you if you don't help yourself with, yourself with that stuff. And since you brought it up, Dable coached a horrible game on Sunday, just from like a 
uh, a game management perspective, there were like three or four, like that play that you're talking about right there, you're calling that play to go for it. Like, I don't, I don't care what you're playing the dolphins 30 yards of field position doesn't matter. And they showed it doesn't matter every single time. I know the giants forced a couple turnovers. I know they got to pick six, but Turnovers can happen every, anywhere. Those are, you know, they got to pick six in their own red zone. Sorry, so they, they picked it off in the red zone or in the end zone, yeah. excuse me, and ran it all the way back. Turnovers are not proof that field position matters. When you're playing the Dolphins, they're going to move the ball. And they're going to put up a lot of points. Field goals and punts are not going to win you the game ever. That's not, it's not the way it's going to win. And I just hated, I hated the approach Dable took to this game. It was like he was trying to not lose by 30. Like it was like he was saying like, okay, well, like I'm worried that Jones isn't going to pick up any of these fourth downs and then the the Dolphins are just going to pour it on. Dude, you have to be willing to risk that. The goal is to win the game. You're you're trying to up your chances of winning the game. And Dable was just so conservative in this game. It it really, I don't know. I, I came to the season, I'm sure, you know, people who listen to this remember, I said Dable was a top three coach easily. I loved him coming into the season. I loved what he did last season. Everyone remembers him going for it, going for two in week one against the Titans last year. And he kept his foot on the pedal all season long. Everyone remembers that Vikings game where they could have just, quote, they they could have run the clock out or they made the Vikings use timeouts. And Dable said, no, fuck that. We're not going to risk giving the ball back. We're going to keep passing because that's what's got us here. And Darius Slayton drops the easy first down that would have sealed the game, and then the defense had to get a stop. But not being results-oriented, that was awesome from Dable. He was trying to win the game. That's like what has made him so revered in so many people's eyes. And yeah. you know, he, he, he's kept that up somewhat going into the season, but there, there was just a total 180 in that Dolphins game, which is the weirdest time to do it, by the way. The weirdest time to do it. The the time you need to be the riskiest and you need to try to create the most variance is when you're the biggest underdog because that's the only way you have the only chance you have of winning. If you're a 16 yeah. seed in the national in the NCAA tournament, you're playing one seed. That is the time you just cross out court and just chuck a bunch of threes. Cause you're not going to win playing a regular, <laughs> like you're just not going to win. Yeah. So I don't understand why Dable chose that game to get conservative unless he's basically just said like, I don't have any faith in Daniel Jones. That's the only thing I can think of. I I want to toss this out there just so that uh you know we could kind of encapsulate how poor the Giants were this week. This was sent to me by a friend of the podcast who we had on uh, two weeks ago, Matt. So he texted me and he said, Con, do you want to hear this Giants stat? And I said, Matt, please, I've had enough of the Giants stats. Please don't tell it to me. He said, all right, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. When teams are plus two in the turnover differential, they win 88% of the time. When they're plus three, they win 91% of the time. When they are plus three and score a touchdown on one of those uh, turnovers, historically, they have won every single game where that has happened until the Giants this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. So three turnovers, one leading to a touchdown, and not only do the Giants lose, they let Miami score 31 points. How, like, that has to be one of the sorriest, one of the lowest stats I've 
ever seen in my life. Yeah, and that that shows just how wide the gap is. And like again, that, to me, that just reinforces how ridiculous the conservative strategy was. Um, I mean, these guys I, had a not to cut you. Sorry to cut you off, but these guys had a horrible day, and you had a fine day by your standards, and you lost by two touchdowns and an extra point. Or yeah, and 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 a two point conversion. Like yeah, the, oh, the, it was thirty one sixteen, right? Yeah, so fifteen. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, and I mean, just, you can't not score touchdowns. Is that the third game of the season where the offense didn't score a touchdown? Or is it the fourth? Uh, Cowboys, uh, they scored against the Niners. They did not score this week. I think it's I think it's the third because we didn't score against the Seahawks. Right. That's man, just, this, is, that's this just, is pathetic, man. Yeah, it's – and again, it makes you wonder, like – I don't know. Are they just? Do they just keep rolling Jones out there and just say like, "Fuck it"? If he's terrible, like maybe we'll get Caleb Williams. Like <laughs> maybe we'll get Drake May. I don't know. Like what? But the the thing is, is that there's so many other issues. Like I don't know. Like Jones, it stinks because we've seen Jones like look better, and we we know he throws a good ball. Um, but it just makes you wonder. Like, how far away are they? Like, if they, I, I believe in like a guy like Caleb Williams' talent. I'm not saying like if they got if they got the number one pick, don't take Caleb Williams. But I don't think I don't I don't think if you're the Giants, you take a quarterback unless you literally get the number one pick. I think I think you have to focus on the other areas if they get any other high pick. I agree. I mean, we saw how horrible the roster was when Daniel Jones came into the NFL, right? His wide receiver one was Golden Tate. His tight end one was, like, Rhett Ellison. Shout out to anybody who remembers Rhett Ellison. I can't believe I remember that myself. Um, and, and it was a shit show, you know, for lack of a better word, honestly. So a part of me is thinking, like, do I want to draft a quarterback this year if we get a top two pick, a top three pick? I mean, I guess we have to because you don't know if you'll be back there, but it's still not optimal, man. Like the only path that I see, and, and uh, I want to get into this now and segue into this for the Jets as well, is Lyle Collins seems to be a legitimate option for both of these teams. And scaling the tackle market, I would be comfortable giving him anywhere between like a four-year, $64 million deal and like a four-year – I don't know, uh, on on the low end, probably like four years, 56. Like, this is dire. And, you know, he was injured. He's coming off of, a, I believe it was a lower body injury. But there's just, like, this is not it was only like, investment. Was it ACL? I think it was ACL and MCL. Let me see. I, I'll, I'll get that for us. Um, um, but it's not just an investment for, for the next season, right? Like, you still have to figure out a lot of what you have this year. You have to figure out. <clears throat> Excuse me, I apologize again. I'm a little sick. But um you have to figure out, you know, is is Waller gonna gonna be somebody who we keep on the roster? You know, he's gonna be a 31 year old tight end. If you were to flip him again, he'd have value because he's putting up the numbers and he's playing good this year. He's staying healthy too. Um, you know, you wanna see if Wandale Hyatt, Slayton, and Hodgins 
can function at any higher capacity than they are right now. And you want to see the defense, you know, coming off of a break every once in a while. You want to see the defense be rested for five, six minutes after, you know, a touchdown drive from the offense. And then see if Kayvon can get after the quarterback. And then see if Leo Williams maybe doesn't play like he's fat for, you know, an entire game. Like, it's I, I it's, it's so much of a, of a snowball roster. Here, you know? Like, just think back to that opening drive against the Cowboys. Like, it's oh, just man. how far this has fallen is just it's just wild. And, and the opening drive against the Cowboys, we should have seen the writing on the wall. Because Jones had like five runs that drive from off of pressures, right? And this is something I said in the Discord. If Neil or Thomas got uh, got injured this season, there's no NFL caliber tackle on this roster. I said that thinking Neil would be an NFL caliber tackle himself. Without the injury, we have one NFL caliber tackle, and then that guy got hurt too. So now there, it, it's done. There's none. There's none. And and the guys like Bredesen, NFL caliber uh, left guard, playing, playing pretty decent. He's now at center because JMS got hurt. And he's not good at center. So you've taken your three quality linemen in JMS, Bredesen, Thomas. You took two of them out with injury. You took one to a new position that he's not as good at. And now all five of your linemen are doo-doo butt cheeks. Like, it's not, it's, it's not something you can operate with. Yeah, I... What what do what do you what do you even do with Neil? Like, I don't know. Do you should the Giants like send him to a Wendy's so he can have some appreciation for fast food workers? I don't like. like I don't like what what is there to do? I don't. It looks if terrible, Neil, dude. If Neil could like, if he worked at like a Burger King or a Wendy's and he mastered like you know flipping a burger, finally using his hands for once. Maybe he could win a hand fight on the line. I don't know. Maybe he could beat the defender to win in the chest plate. Like, maybe it would happen. I'm not saying it would. But maybe if he learned how to flip a burger or two, maybe it would happen. And if he, if he learns how to win the chest plate, then we can get into, like, not tilting his head. And we can get into keeping a wide base. And we can get to getting to a third kick slide. Like, there is... There's nothing that I want to see more than for Neil to do good. I think the comments that, you know, were taken out of proportion by the media, well, not taken out of proportion, but, you know, kind of put out there by the media are just unfortunate. You know, it's a 22, 23-year-old kid frustrated with himself, frustrated with the team, frustrated with the pressure. And he slipped up. You know, he messed up. Still, you know, there's there's no shot that we can wait for him to come around. There's no shot that we can wait to see if he comes around because it doesn't look like he will at this point. Have you – you'll know the answer to this better just because I feel like it's something that your eyes more naturally see, and this could just be a really stupid thing for me to say, but have you ever seen a line look as disconnected as this this Giants offensive line? I've never seen – like, I've never seen linemen – it's like every single one of them is is on an island, and whether they play well or don't play well is totally dependent on what they do versus their matchup, and that's not really how offensive line play is supposed to work. Um, like, you want to see, you know, two guys on one side of the line working in unison. You want to see 
the tack like like when the defensive line stunts, like when the the edge rusher and the lineman stunt, you want to see them fluidly hand those guys off to each other. And it just doesn't feel like there's any rhythm or synergy between the Giants linemen. Yeah, yeah. Um this is something that I kind of expected to continue to be a problem because JMS is a rookie. But man, it's it's frustrating. Excuse me, I'm gonna cough again. <laughs> but um when when Thomas isn't in there, you really feel it a lot more, right? Because we got two sophomores, we got Bredesen who's not familiar with the center position. And these guys don't even have reps together with each other, right? Like we had practice squad guys coming in and I'm thinking to myself, like, who is Jalen Thomas? This, and this is a team that like I live and breathe and I didn't know who this player was in the field. That's like one of the first times it's ever happened to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I... It's just it's just a really bad time. I don't like you said to start there. I guess there's a couple saving graces in Banks and Tibbs and Wandy Robinson, um, but outside of that, there's just not a lot of good right now, and that sucks. Enough, enough of this godforsaken team. Let's let's talk yeah. about a winning team. Let's yeah, team let's talk, let's talk, let's talk about a team that you know, shines happiness, the New York Jets. <laughs> let's let's bring the spirits up with some Jets talk. <laughs> what the fuck, man? More more, more roses and rainbows and, and sunshine for the Jets. I mean, Dr. Neil uh, Etarche, I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. He's going to make a good amount of money doing Achilles surgeries on, on these guys. He's doing two Achilles surgeries. For the same, uh, you know, two guys on the same team, you're going to do Achilles surgery on J.K. Dobbins. Like, this guy's going to make bank, bro. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of that from a medical perspective because I'm in grad school. <laughs> yeah. But, what a brutal injury, though. Like, this this team cannot – it's been if – you, if you really think about it, it's been five weeks of misery for Jets fans. Like, they beat the Bills. Yeah. They, built the, yeah. they beat the Bills in opening week. And it's like they don't even get to celebrate because Aaron fucking Rodgers got hurt. Then they lose three straight games. <laughs> you know what probably was the happiest moment of the season was the Chiefs loss. Because, like, they that's, were supposed that's, that's true and funny. They were supposed to lose that game. Zach played like a star. Like, they finally, like, at least had a reason to be excited about a, a team that they wanted to be excited about from the start. And they basically had that game stolen from them. Like, I mean, I wasn't on the show last week. I don't know if you talked about that, but <laughs> that ref job was preposterous. That man, the Chief, like what, what it's what it must be like to be a Chiefs fan. Just every week, it's just they did it again in the Vikings game last week. Like, it's just every week, these coin flip calls go their way.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.